think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 148. He's Josh Carney. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this, we'll call it Wednesday, Thursday. Not 100% sure what uh, time this episode will air, but midweek here on the Terrible Podcast. Dave Bryant is on vacation, as we mentioned on Monday's show. And so the schedule this week, a little bit more up in the air. But filling in with uh, for Dave today with me, excited to have Josh Carney here, longtime member of Steelers Depot, part of that morning crew. Uh, when you guys wake up, usually you're reading what Josh has to say. So, Josh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. I hope Dave's having a great vacation. Uh, much deserved for him. So uh, excited to talk Steelers football here with you today. Yeah, uh, me as well. Unfortunately, what we're going to lead off with is a very somber piece mm-hmm. of news. And I uh, came in late last night, I believe after 10 o'clock p.m., reported by 93.7 The Fans, Colin Dunlap, that former Pittsburgh Steelers outside linebacker Clark Hagens had died at the age of 46. No cause of death is currently known based off that initial report. Hagens, a fifth round pick out of Colorado state of the Steelers in 2000, part of those, uh, you know, really strong mid two thousands defenses, including starting on that super bowl XL team in 2005. That was a career season for him having nine sacks spent over a decade in the NFL, majority of that with Pittsburgh, but also spent time in Arizona and a year in San Francisco. So um, very obviously shocking and sad news for a guy that I know you and I, grew up watching yeah very surprising last night very sad to to see that news only 46 years old I mean that that really hits close to home especially you know like you mentioned we grew up with him you know Clark Hagens was a a big name for the Steelers defense in those early 2000s uh super underrated player I know that uh there was you know some eyebrows raised when the Steelers moved on from Jason Gilden and everyone within the Steelers said hey Clark Hagens is that next guy and uh Sure enough, 2004, 2005 were some of his best years. And uh, he was that quintessential Steelers development guy, you know, fifth round pick out of Colorado State, kind of sat on the bench, was a situational pass rusher, special teams player, and developed into a very good starter and a key one uh, on that Super Bowl XL team. Uh, But very sad news. Again, just 46 years old, very shocking news that came in late last night. Yeah, as you said, a real key underrated piece. It wasn't a superstar, mm-hmm. you know, aligned opposite of Joey Porter with the other great names there, Troy, Ike, James Ferrier, even guys like Aaron Smith along the defensive line, him and Casey Hampton. But Hagen's really just just played his role well. And part of that aggressive 3-4 attacking system was a really strong fit. Obviously, you know, it's it just a game we don't want to be so focused on his career. There was a life and there's a family that that's grieving today, but um, obviously, again, from our perspective, our football mindset, and and as you said, growing up watching this guy, and so 
far too young uh, and just unfortunately been just too much, too much death, too much tragedy mm-hmm. in the news lately with Pittsburgh with Stan Saverin and, you know, just recent years, Dwayne Haskins last year. So obviously not news that you want to read about, but something, of course, we had to talk about today. Yeah. And it's something, you know, obviously you get that sad news and, and your initial reaction is shock. You know, I was I was very surprised when I saw that DM last night. And then obviously you wrote up the story. Uh, but then I kind of just dove back into Clark Higgins's career. And, you know, the great thing about him, he was so consistent. You know, that 2005 season, he had nine sacks, which was a career high. He didn't have double digit sacks in any game, but his his nine sacks in the regular season were so consistent, evenly spread out. And then obviously, I believe it was the first drive of uh, Super Bowl XL against the Seahawks. He sacked mm-hmm. Matt Hasselbeck. So uh, just a super consistent player, uh, you know. Funny thing is, I went back and looked at his first start for Pittsburgh in 2004 after they moved on from Gildon. He mm. had two sacks in the win over Oakland at home. Uh, so that was that was a game where it was like, OK, the Steelers made the right decision here. They believe in the guy that they developed. And uh, yeah, what a player he was. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, those 2004, 2005 defenses, he was not a big name outside of Pittsburgh whatsoever. But he was very good opposite Joey Porter and just did his job so so well and uh it's just it's very sad that at 46 he's gone yeah that's well said josh and so i've uh, been a lot of tributes and i'm sure we'll probably hear from, from some former teammates maybe i taylor on his next podcast will share some of those stories and thoughts so it's difficult as it is to make that transition from the, that you know central important and tragic news we will try to do so because there is some other steagless news to discuss here um, some signings that we knew were basically going to happen, some roster moves that were set to occur became official on Tuesday around 4 p.m., 4.30, with the Pittsburgh Steelers announcing they had officially signed linebacker Nick uh, Kwiatkowski, I think is the pronunciation on that. Still still working on that a little bit, but uh, him and long snapper Rex Sunahara have been signed, both one-year contracts, and in a corresponding move, the roster sat at 89 prior to those signings the team released wide receiver Anthony Miller. And we kind of knew that was coming because on Monday, Miller had tweeted out, thank you, Pittsburgh, and kind of knew that that was the writing on the wall for him. So those moves became official on Tuesday. Kwiatkowski and Sunahara in and Anthony Miller at. What are your thoughts on, on I guess, all those moves, most notable being Kwiatkowski, given that he may see snaps this year if there's an injury to Holcomb or Landon Roberts? I'll start with Anthony Miller first. A little disappointed um, that he didn't get a chance to to compete in training camp. I know, obviously, they've added to the room this offseason. You know, Allen Robinson, they brought in Hakeem Butler after a tryout. Um, you know, Anthony Miller has has had a chance with Pittsburgh, you know, the last two years. But obviously, last season, he got hurt in training camp. From what from my vantage point when we were at camp last year, he was off to a pretty good start before he got hurt. And uh, obviously, they, the team retained him. They signed him to a one-year deal. Early on in the offseason, I believe, like early in January after the regular season ended. And uh, yeah, he just he doesn't get a chance to compete. It's a little disappointing because he's that veteran guy. I thought he could be a slot option, has special teams abilities. Uh, Just a little disappointing to see him uh, cut loose here before training camp. But uh, I figured the Steelers were going to sign a long snapper at some point, Uh, you know, Hmm. dating back to December of last year. They've worked out. You've been tracking it. Yes. Yeah. They've worked (laughs) out seven long snappers and hadn't made a move. Uh, so Christian Kuntz's job is definitely 
uh, under fire here. And Sunahara obviously has experience with the Steelers, uh, experience in the NFL overall. He spent some time with the Dolphins. So uh, that's an underrated uh, position battle to watch here in training camp, assuming Sunahara makes it to camp. Uh, I don't see why he wouldn't at this point, but uh, that is one to definitely watch. It feels like the Steelers are not satisfied with Koontz whatsoever. But Kwiatkowski, I know that's that's going to be a tough pronunciation for a lot of Yinzers. Uh, we're still trying <laughs> to work through that, as you said. But yeah, I, I just think that's a depth guy uh, that they certainly needed, you know, behind Cole Holcomb and, and Landon Roberts. Uh, you've really only got Mark Robinson and Tanner Muse. Uh, not that doesn't provide much comfort, at least for me. Uh, so Kwiatkowski, he has plenty of starting experience. I think 34 starts in the NFL. Uh, he, he's not going to move the needle much. I think he's a pretty solid special teams guy, but uh, I think Jonathan Heitritter summed it up perfectly in his film room the other day. He kind of fills that Robert Spillane role, gives off some Spillane vibes, uh, decent athlete, but uh, not a guy that you want on the field for a significant number of snaps defensively. Sure. Yeah. With Miller, just, you know, he'd always look good getting off the bus. He flashed mm-hmm. early in camp last year, but then actually began the fade before he got hurt, then had the shoulder injury, spent the year on injured reserve. I was kind of surprised they resigned him in the offseason, but obviously, as that receiver room has gotten deeper, you add in Akeem Butler, um, you have Calvin Austin coming back, you trade for Allen Robinson. Those things really start to squeeze a guy like Miller out. There really was no real path for him to make it to the 53. So, probably better for him to try to get cut now and catch on in another camp before uh, things ramp up late next month. Sunahara, you're right. It's funny. They go through all these names and they just end up signing the guy that was on the roster a little bit, but it was just for a brief time in late 2021. And then a bit in the uh, 2022 offseason, the beginning of it, he got cut after rookie minicamp, but he's a tall guy. He's six, six. You don't see too many six, six long snappers, um, but you're right. I thought Koontz did not have a particularly good year last year. I think some competition there would be healthy. And Omar Khan's kind of theme this whole offseason has been building competition essentially everywhere. So it took a lot of doing, but it makes sense for them to bring in Sunahara. And then, yeah, with Kwiatkowski, not surprised. We knew they were going to sign one of those inside linebackers that brought in for a tryout for minicamp, either him or Jermaine Carter Jr. Um, Kwiatkowski has probably a bit more of an NFL resume. Special teams guy last year in Atlanta. I assume he's going to be basically the top backup at essentially either inside linebacker spot. I still think Mark Robinson should be given more of an opportunity, you know, with, with Terrell Austin's comments that he won't be ready to to compete for a starting job until next year. And then this signing that all tracks with what they're saying. But to me, you know, I want to keep that window open for Robinson to have a chance to play. It seems like that chance is probably just lessened with the signing. Do, do you think this move for Kwiatkowski is a, a negative mark against Robinson, because obviously you mentioned Austin's comments about, you know, he'll be able to compete for a job in 2024. And then you just mentioned, he's probably going to be Kwiatkowski. That is the backup at both inside linebacker spots. Do you, do you think this is a, a negative mark on Mark Robinson? Do you think this is the Steelers being a little bit, not disappointed, but concerned maybe with what they've seen so far ahead of training camp, or is this just insurance just in case? I mean, it seems like just to follow in Austin's comments that they didn't feel like he was ready to play significant snaps. I mean, he did play a bit as a rookie, but it was mm. granted in like very specific sub packages. I think their four four front that they were employing against some run heavy teams in Baltimore, Carolina, and Cleveland. So it's not like Robinson was playing in their base or right. nickel defense last year. So I don't think it speaks to concern. I think it just speaks to, you know, that they don't believe that he's 
quite ready yet, given that he was a seventh round pick, former running back in college, one year linebacker uh, at Ole Miss, and then just one year uh, last year. But I mean, again, I'm not in there for the day to day. And there's a lot of nuances and communication related things Mm -hmm. that I'm sure Robinson is still trying to learn and pick up and get his footing on. But I mean, the guy I thought had a good camp last year, played well when given the opportunity late last regular season and reportedly had had a nice OTAs and was getting a bunch of first team reps because Cole Holcomb was not working full in teams. So I understand there's going to be some mistakes and trepidation, you know, with playing a young guy like Robinson. But Austin, in that same conversation, said that Joey Porter Jr., yeah, we're going to play him and he's going to make some mistakes and we're going to learn from it. So why does that not apply to Mark Robinson as well? Um, So I didn't. Love the idea because I want Robinson a chance to play. I think there's certainly some talent to work with there. But given the comments, given that they feel like he's not ready, it's uh, no surprise at all to see them make a move and add a veteran to that group, which was admittedly a little thin. It it was. For sure it was. Uh, I I do hope this is what you kind of pointed out in in DMs uh, after Austin's comments. I hope this is kind of poking the bear a bit with Robinson and kind of not lights a fire because I don't think he needs that motivation, but I, I hope that this sparks something in him and he goes out and proves them wrong in training camp in the preseason and forces their hand uh, to play him. That would be the best case scenario. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I want to see Robinson get opportunities. Um, you know, they felt comfortable enough putting him on the field last year. Granted, some of that was due to injuries uh, and struggles with other guys uh, in that linebacker room, but I thought he played well for the most part in that specific role. And, uh, I thought he earned an opportunity here. So hopefully he forces their hand and, and gets on the field here. What second year guy, and, and don't say Kenny Pickett, we'll throw Kenny Pickett out of it, <laughs> but, but what second year guy are you most interested in watching? Not even necessarily the one that'll have the most impact on the team, but the guy that you really want to see how he looks after that rookie season. I, I, outside of Robinson, I, I'm leaning Connor Hayward right now. Okay, uh, I was really pleased with the way that he closed the season, obviously making plays there down the stretch as a receiver. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty clear the Steelers are going to lean into that bully ball mentality. They're going to run the ball a lot, but I want to see Hayward have more of an opportunity as a receiving option. I know that the tight end room is very deep, uh, but I want to see Pittsburgh get a little creative with him, move him around, give him some opportunities. I'm not asking for 50 targets. You know, I, I'd like to see him get around 20 catches uh, this year, but I just was really pleased with him as a football player uh, in general last year, especially down the stretch as a receiver on special teams, even on that jet sweep, um, you know, to close out the game. I believe it was against the Raiders. He closed out the game on that jet sweep. Uh, so just really, mm-hmm. really interested to see how he takes that second year leap, what exactly his role is uh, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh offensively. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just, I, I said it a lot last year. He's just a football player and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in year two. If you try to define his role in year two, how do you think he'll be used primarily maybe the top two or three ways that Pittsburgh will align and assign him? Because while I agree with you, I think he, you know, he came on strong the back end of his rookie season, as you said, just kind of makes plays in the passing game. Does he fit that perfect bully ball mentality because he is undersized? He's not a tremendously good, you know, lead or, you know, inline blocker. He's more of a Y off cut block type of dude. Mm-hmm. How do you think they're going to use him? Will it be more fullback? Will it be very similar to last year? Will they stand them up and flex them out more? What are you thinking? I think it'll be very similar to to how they used him last year, though. I do hope that they kind of flex him out, you know, move him around a little bit more. I, I don't think he can handle that that true inline fullback. 
uh, role. That's kind of where Monty Potterbaum will come in. Uh, but I, I do, do think Potterbaum sh- will make the team right now. I do, uh, but okay. uh, again, I can be talked into. Uh, you know, <laughs> he doesn't make the team because it is the fullback. You know, uh, yeah. But yeah, I just want to see Hayward moved around and have that skill set utilized. I do think he could be a bit of a mismatch. Um, for linebackers, you know, if he's flexed out. Um, but I, I don't want to see him in that true fullback role because I think that's really just limiting him and asking him to do something he's not all that great at. Um, so it that's going to be what I'm going to watch closely the most in training camp is just how they're deploying him. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll give us a good idea of, you know, how they view him, how much they trust him in certain roles. And uh, yeah, I just, I really want to see him, you know, flexed out. I think against the Ravens at home late in the year, uh, you know, he had some success when he was standing up and kind of moved around, uh, obviously the Raiders game. And even in the Browns game, he had that big catch. So I uh, just want to see him used as a receiver and moved around and kind of search for some of those mismatches when he's on the field. Yeah, I think mismatches is a good way to to frame that. You're trying to maybe, you know, stress the defense by whatever their weakness is. And some of that could be some of the backfield stuff, some of the play action boots in the flat. He can make a couple catches mm-hmm. there. Uh, as you said, flexing out. I think he can run a pretty full route tree. So this, I think it'll be a similar usage to last year, probably a bit more backfield, you know, H-back type of work. Yeah. But yeah. I think similar to last year. Um, we'll we'll honor Dave by going down a rabbit hole quickly on 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 Potterbaum. So you think he's going to make it? What do you think the roster construction looks like? Do you think Gentry makes it too? Do you think Potterbaum is the guy that kind of replaces that? Not not that he's going to replace Gentry's actual position, but in terms of how many fullbacks versus how many tight ends they keep, kind of that bucket, or, or are they going to keep a, a, only a five wide receivers? Or how do you think that that looks? I lean that Gentry does not make the roster um, because I, I think obviously you have that in-line tight end with Darnell Washington. I know that's asking a lot from a rookie, but uh, that's kind of his strong suit. I think he's a better blocker than Gentry already. Uh, You're not really eating a ton of money if you do end up cutting Gentry. And I do think Potabom, just from watching some tape at Iowa, he can kind of be that that H-back type. I know he's had his hand in the dirt in line at times too uh, at Iowa. So I think you can get by with him there. It's not a one-to-one replacement on the roster, like you said, but I do think that it, Potterbaum makes the roster and, and Gentry's kind of that odd man out. Uh, I know that'll kind of upset Pat Fryermuth because his buddy will be gone. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's how that roster, you know, looks. Obviously, Washington was drafted to be that inline guy, take a lot of the uh, blocking responsibilities off of Pat Fryermuth. And I mean, does do you really need Gentry and Washington on the roster at the same time? Uh, I'd, I'd rather have Potterbaum, a guy who could be that short yardage back, take some of the load off of Warren and, and, and Harris. He can be that, you know, straight ahead, impactful uh, fullback. We've seen that on tape at Iowa. Uh, that's that's where I'm looking for him to make the roster. And I think that comes at the expense of Zach Gentry. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. I think if Potterbaum is going to make it, it's going to have to be that initial Rosie Nick's path, the special teams. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he's capable of doing it. He's a former linebacker. There's a background there. I don't think he'll necessarily uh, represent himself poorly there. But Rosie Nix made it initially not as that lead blocker that became more of his role later his first year and a couple seasons beyond. But it was for blocking that punt against Carolina for really mm-hmm. making some cons- consistently good plays on special teams and for Potterbaum, just given the lack of opportunity he'll have offensively, especially with Hayward there, that's going to kind of pull some of that duty. Um, I think that's where he's going to have to start. So yeah, I can see that on Gentry, Potterbaum would offer 
more special teams value if he was active and 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 of course dressed. Um, but I, I think with Gentry, he could be inactive. He's still there in case Washington were to go down. You still have another big tight end that has a similar role where your offense schematically wouldn't change that much. So interesting thought there overall. I you know could they keep five receivers? You know they got they could yeah. The what Deontay Pickens, Robinson, Austin, and I'll call Boykin the fifth. You do have yeah. Butler fighting for that spot, but there really is nobody locked in for that six wide receiver spot right now. Yeah, you could say, you know, Potabom makes the roster and Gunnar Olszewski is the odd man out because Calvin Austin can handle, mm-hmm. you know, the return duties. He's that slot option. Allen Robinson is that slot option. Uh, so that could be a, a path. Um, you know, I know that that Danny Smith will probably fight tooth and nail for Gunner just because of what he does on special teams outside of the return game. But uh, that is another that is another way that that could go. You know, they keep four tight ends and a fullback and five receivers. Um, but Which is very old school, very like 1990s. But that's the very way this much kind of getting built. Yeah, very much so. And that leans into that that bully ball mentality. So mm-hmm. um, so that's that's where I'm kind of watching with Potabom. You know, he's not going to compete per se, you know, one versus one against Gentry or, or Olszewski. But I think that's, for me, kind of those three players on the bubble offensively that uh, I'm really looking forward to watching how they come into camp and and, and hit the ground running. And just to wrap up the point and the thought on Potterbaum, you know, Eddie Faulkner had made a comment about him. It was a comment that was encouraging and one that was discouraging if you're in that Potterbaum camp. He said that he's a smart guy and, you know, is picking things up pretty quickly. The downside, though, is that Faulkner made the the pass at this guy's not getting a lot of reps. And that's expected just given all the talent and competition and more experienced, established guys around him. So will he really have the reps? He'll he'll play some this summer, obviously, um, offensively. But will you just have enough opportunity to really show yourself? To me, he may be a guy that, that starts that career on the practice squad. And then mm-hmm. if there's an injury, he may get the call up that to me. And it's early and I haven't gotten eyes on him in Pittsburgh yet, obviously. But. I think that's probably his best way to make this team as practice squad and then potentially get elevated midseason. Yeah, that's entirely fair. I mean, obviously the reps are going to be very limited just from a running back standpoint, yeah. uh, you know, in camp, unless they really lean into that um, fullback mentality on the field and certain personnel. But uh, yeah, he could make the the practice squad. And then, like you say, get elevated later in the year uh, as the Steelers really lean into that bully ball mentality down the stretch. Um, but I'm hoping he makes the 53 because I think he can be a, a good special teams player. And I think he could really help Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in the run game, uh, especially behind a rebuilt offensive line. Right. Do you like the way the Pittsburgh has built this roster? Dave and I have kind of discussed and debated this some. And I think even Marcus Spears made a mention about, you know, this team's going to have to be able to score points and, and you know, out shoot out some opponents pittsburgh's vision is very clear as you said bully ball run focus ball control stay on schedule that kind of mentality do you think that's the right strategy for pittsburgh to take i think for right now it is uh it reminds me a lot of kind of what the titans have done in recent years under mike rabel um you know good defense physical running game you've got some weapons you've got a a quarterback that's not going to make a ton of mistakes, but he's not going to win you a bunch of games. Uh, and I, that's not a knock for me on Kenny Pickett at this point. He's entering year two. Uh, I'm not trying to compare him or say that he's going to be Ryan Tannehill for his career. But uh, we've seen this style work, at least in the regular season. And then early Well, that's in the, the thing. Playoffs. Yeah. 
Yeah. Does it work in the playoffs? It, I think it works in the regular season to, to the Titans point. How far has that gotten them? though? Yeah, I, I think it can work early on in the playoffs, but I don't think it's good enough to beat the likes of the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills uh, at this point. You know, does that mean the Steelers can win a playoff game early on, you know, wild card uh, divisional round? I, I think they could. I, I don't see this style getting them to the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not like the Eagles where they have a dynamic dual threat quarterback. You know, again, I'm, that's I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Kenny Pickett, but he is not the athlete Jalen Hurts is. Um, so I, I do like how they are building this thing. I think they've finally leaned into what their identity is going to be for the next few years, just based off the way the roster is currently constructed. You know, the Steelers are their, their defense is going to be the key to this team. You want the offense to not turn the football over kind of shorten games as much as possible with a run game and, and, you know, keep it low scoring. But uh, outside of that, um, I, I just, I really like how this team is built overall. Yeah. I mean, I, I've made my voice heard on this before, so I'll just kind of be short and sweet. I, I, a, I like that, that there is a vision. There was not really a clear vision last year. So that's just a, a good foundation to, to have an identity and kind of know how you want to win. That's good. I agree. I think this, this model can, and probably will put this team very much in the thick of the playoff race and probably make the playoffs and potentially win a playoff game. How far does it get you? Does it get you to Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal? I'm less confident in. And if you're building something that does not get you to the ultimate goal, then how good is that idea in the first place? There's a whole conversation you can have and pros and cons. And what are your other options? It's hard to build a team that's going to go toe for toe with the Chiefs and the Bills. You're not really equipped to do that. So you might as well go in a different direction. I get all that. But um, my concern, it's all it's weird. My hope and my concern is that they become the Titans, which is a solid team, but not a Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, that's kind of what I see this team right now is a, a solid team. They're going to win 10 plus games, but I don't see this group getting to a Super Bowl anytime soon, let alone winning one. And I, mm-hmm. I do kind of think that this future here in the next three to five years is kind of that Titans window, you know, 10, 11 wins, maybe a division title or two here, uh, you know, a playoff win or two, but they're going to come up short against those explosive uh, high powered offenses. If you had to kind of give me an X factor, an underrated name to the team's success this season, who do you think it would be? Obviously, we've talked about Dave and I, and I know you probably agree how much, you know, Kenny Pickett's growth and maturation Mm -hmm. depends on, and I say maturation from an on-field standpoint, not off-field standpoint, but, you know, how much that jump is will determine kind of how much of a jump the Steelers make. That's obvious. Him aside, what kind of maybe underrated guy do you think really needs to have a good year for this team to get back in the postseason? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, I think Najee Harris has got to take that step forward and and Mm -hmm. get to that top five to seven running back in the league. I'm not asking him to be Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb, uh, but he has got to be a more efficient running back. He's got to really lean into his size. I think last year down the stretch when he, it felt like he was fully healthy, he really leaned into that physical runner that he should be at 235, 240 pounds rather than that guy that was dancing early on. Uh, I I think he is going to be the key. If he can be the Najee Harris that the Steelers were expecting him to be when they drafted him, if he can be the guy that he was in the second half of last season, uh, I think this offense and this team in general will take a step forward because they have very clearly built 
their style around the, the ground and pound. Uh, and, and he's the, he's the key to that. I mean, he's that 240 pound running back that really has to wear teams down. Uh, and, and he has to step up and be that guy that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him in the first round. Do you think that's more of a Harris thing that he has to work on? Or do you think that's a product of just the O-line not supporting him well enough? And this year, hopefully the O-line will kind of give him the running lanes that he needs. I think it's a little bit of both. I know that there were some issues last year, uh, you know, leading up to the bye. He finally had that uh, metal plate taken out of his shoe, I think week five. Uh, And then from, I think it was what, week six to week eight, he was just so hit or miss. Um, you know, obviously the offensive line was opening some holes, but he just wasn't seeing it. He wasn't hitting it hard enough. And then things changed in the second half. Uh, and I think now that the Steelers, at least on paper, that offensive line is rebuilt. They really like what they have, uh, you know, now and moving forward. He has, it, I think it's on him now to really take that next step because they've put the pieces in front of him, in my opinion. And he has to be that guy that, really just runs downhill, punishes defenders and helps wear teams down so that he can have those, you know, rip off those big runs in the fourth quarter when defenses just have want to have no part in tackling him. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of flip that, that question, what is your biggest concern for the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers based on how they're currently built? One thing that could, you know, really hinder their season. I, I think it's inside linebacker. I, I, I hesitated there because I was thinking inside linebacker or cornerback, but I think it's inside linebacker. Uh, you know, Landon Roberts is a good downhill guy. I think he fits that buck role perfectly, um, but Cole Holcomb hasn't stayed healthy in recent years. He's a bit of a questionable fit as a Mac. I, I don't really like him in coverage all that much. And again, we talked earlier with Kwiatkowski. There's not a ton of depth there. Uh, I know that they've completely remade that room, uh, but it's still a weakness for me on this roster. And uh, I think offenses are really going to go after them, uh, whether it's in the passing game or or trying to exploit them uh, in the run game. So that's my biggest concern for this group overall. Um, You know, I know that the cornerback room is a bit inexperienced behind Peterson and um, Levi Wallace, but I just can't move past the inside linebacker room right now and how important Historically, it is uh, with the Steelers defense, and it just does not give me a good feeling entering training camp. What do you think the solution there is? Probably nothing that probably nothing that can be done now, but next offseason, to me, it's always been they got to go draft a guy. They've done yeah. this free agent song and dance too many times, and they're probably going to have to do it again. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at as well. Um, you know, I haven't taken a deep dive into the off-ball linebacker room uh, for next year's draft at this point, but there are some names out there. And I know that there's going to be one guy that I think people are going to gravitate towards. It's Jeremiah Trotter Jr. At, uh, yep. at Clemson, you know, the NFL bloodlines, power five, really productive guy, uh, kind of that new age linebacker. I know that teams are a little, not teams, fans are a little scared off thinking, oh, they got to trade up and get a linebacker. It didn't work out with Devin Bush. It hasn't worked in free agency. So I think the best bet for the Steelers is really to just, Take another swing in the draft, uh, and I think that uh, that's that's the best way to do this. They have to get it figured out. Uh, they mm-hmm. they can't keep doing this veteran route and hoping that these these castoffs finally hit. Yeah, I understand. I, I I basically agree. I mean, I I get why Omar Khan you know overhauled that entire up all linebacker room. Did it get to, better? Yeah. 
it probably got better. We'll have to see. But mm-hmm. how much better in a meaningful way? Eh, not really feeling it right now. All the more reason why I think Robinson should have an opportunity, but I'll get off my soapbox there. So yeah, I think inside linebacker, I think slot corner, I think just the newness defensively, there's going to be some of those growing pains I've talked and written about before, but um, still should be a good defense and with a good front seven. And if they can figure out how to best use Patrick Peterson and a Porter makes some plays in his rookie year, and maybe Trace could carve out a role. Certainly there's still a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the cornerback room overall. Obviously, slot corner is a, a bit of a concern, but they, they've got the pieces in place at this point, in my opinion, uh, at least in the top three with, with Peterson and Wallace and Joey Porter Jr. To, to feel at least comfortable entering the year. But uh, outside of that, I am very concerned um, with slot corner overall. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's still pretty open-ended who's going to man that role. I think it's probably going to be more than one guy at this point. And I think Pittsburgh's not quite sure how that's going to look. Um, in terms of just, uh, and it's a little bit ways away, but like camp battles, where do you come in on Dan Moore versus Broderick Jones? Probably the number one battle to watch in terms yeah. of how meaningful, impactful it'll be, it'll be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I still lean Dan Moore Jr. is going to open the year as a starter at left tackle. Um, I'm hoping that they bring Broderick Jones along relatively slowly. I've talked about this before in articles. The gauntlet of pass rushers that this team is going to face in the first few weeks with the 49ers, the Browns, the Raiders, that's not exactly something I want to throw Broderick Jones into. Uh, I know obviously the Steelers would do their best to, you know, help give him um, some protection, you know, with an extra tight end to his side, be that Darnell Washington or, you know, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren chipping out of the backfield. I'd rather stick with the guy there uh, with 33 career starts and Dan Moore. He knows what to expect. Uh, He knows the speed of the game. And that takes some of the pressure off of Broderick Jones. You know, he doesn't have to come in and and face arguably the best pass rusher in football and Nick Bosa to open the season. And then obviously have to follow that up with guys like Miles Garrett and, you know, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, uh, and even Tyree Wilson. So I I think Dan Moore is going to hold him off. I, I do think Jones will play relatively well in preseason and have some flashes in training camp just from an athletic standpoint. Uh, but I think the wise thing to do for the Steelers is to let Dan Moore start the year at left tackle, slowly bring Jones along, and then work him into the fold where you you can in the schedule where you best see fit, where it's that long mm-hmm. runway for him rather than here you go right into the fire. Yeah, I, I understand that. And and I get that Jones is a pretty raw guy, so if he's not ready, then you don't start a guy that's not ready, obviously. Right. But you know, if he's ready, then then I'm starting him, even though he's going to have to face some top guys early. Because heck, you trade up for this guy, you call him, you know, this great left tackle, you know, mm-hmm. the future. You don't don't be scared to start him if you deem him ready. Is he going to take some lumps against Bosa and Garrett? Yeah. Is he going to probably get some? People criticizing him in the pick if he gives up a sack early oh, in the yeah. season. Yeah, but if he's ready, he's ready. You know, don't be scared of your own shadow of the guy just just because it's a, it's a tough schedule. So I'm not necessarily looking for a way to ease him in. It's hard, I think, to ease a left tackle into the NFL. It's ready or not. Let's see what you got there, Rook. But yeah, I, I think certainly it'll be a great battle because Jones is raw from his college experience standpoint, and adjusting the Pat Mara system is going to, you know, be a bit of an adjustment, obviously. Uh, for him so i could certainly see more winning it but if, if if more does win it in terms of you said kind of find a place to put jones 
into the lineup midseason. I wonder what that looks like. I mean, obviously, if Moore is struggling, then that's an easy way to do that. If it's not that, though, you wonder how long Jones will be sitting on the bench. Yeah, you know, I do think that if if it is more to start the year, I think that leash is going to be very short. Um, I don't know what a good spot to put Jones into the lineup is, though. I mean, maybe that week four road game at Houston. It's not like, I mean, Houston has Will Anderson, but, um, you know, Jones has faced him before. I don't think Houston has all of those you know, big name pass rushers to kind of fear there. That could but be I, a landing. I'm not, I'm not trying to start this guy when it's, it looks easy on the schedule, you know, yeah, I'm that's just starting fair. him whenever that's, he's, whenever he's ready to play, regardless. That's, of the opponent. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he, it, it's not the quarterback position. I get that. Um, but then I guess the question too, is what if Dan Moore Jr. Plays really well, you right. know, and, and takes that next step. So then what, you know, is, is Jones just that swing tackle, uh, for, for his entire rookie season. It's it's going to be interesting to watch. I do think, uh, you know, I agree with what you and Dave have said in recent podcasts. You know, if it's close in camp, then you go with the rookie. You know, if it's a tie, you go with the rookie overall. But um, yeah, just for me, I think it's that comfort. And I say that loosely with Dan Moore because I know obviously he had his struggles last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's just that comfort knowing, you know, he knows the speed of the game. You know, right. he knows the expectations. Um that's that's where I'm at. And maybe that week four game at Houston or maybe after the bye. But uh, yeah, it's going to be one to watch. And I know people are going to be clamoring for Jones to get into the lineup because of what he can do as a run blocker and, and you know, his production in pass protection the last two years at, at Georgia. So um, but I'm not for me personally, I'm not giving up on Dan Moore. And I, I lean mm-hmm. towards him in this competition this summer. Yeah, certainly do not want to count that guy out. I thought he did progress the back half of last year. And, and you're right. I'm certainly not overlooking the value of that experience and the more comf- comfort that he has in the NFL under Pat Meyer. Those are things that will be working in his advantage whenever Pittsburgh makes their decision on who their week one left tackle is going to be. So certainly there's value there. I'm just not I'm not trying to find an, an easy place to put Jones into the NFL because I don't know if that place yeah. exists. I'm just going to start him whenever yeah. he's shown that he's ready to give be given that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, and even look at Kenny Pickett last year. You know, people were like, oh, what's the easy spot for him to go mm-hmm. into the lineup? You know, he went in at halftime, and then his first <laughs> start was on the road at the Bills. So right. welcome to the NFL, Rook. So it's a great point. I just, for me personally, I'm I'm kind of worried about that gauntlet to start the year sure. from a pass rush perspective. I mean, it's it's a little terrifying on paper when yeah. you look at it. Oh, it is 100%. Like, like if, J- if Jones does start, he's going to have some rough moments against those top guys. Uh, and people yeah. should expect and, and prepare themselves for that. Um, but that's the NFL. That's how, I mean, Dan Moore, you know, he's playing against Miles Garrett pretty early in his rookie yeah, year. That's true. First game. People say that, that in his rookie year, the more, you know, shut down Miles Garrett, he did not. The, no. Garrett didn't have like big stats, but I mean, Najee Harris bailed out Dan Moore at the end of that game and that first matchup. And, and yeah, and the ball was the ball was also getting out very quickly. Uh, yeah, in, in Roethlisberger's final year. So right, um, but you know, you take your lumps and you get better. So that's yep. you know, and then heck, I mean, even assuming that Jones has some struggles when you face Bosa, you face Miles Garrett, everybody else by comparison will be a whole lot easier the rest of the season. Like you've seen the, the you know the hardest that you're going to see. It. Of course, you're going to see Garrett again. Um, but that's a way to make everything else probably feel a, a lot easier. A- and Pat Meyer's system, generally speaking, the guards offer the tackles more help. I think under different mm-hmm. systems, the guards kind of help the center more. You get more doubles there. Generally, if the guard's uncovered, he's going to float to the tackle and protect his inside. So and e- even though there will be some chips and 
you know, things that you mentioned with tight ends and running backs. I think Meyer's system, the guards give the tackles more help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm really, really looking forward to that position battle. It's going to be the first one that's that's really been this big a headliner along the offensive line, at least in my opinion, in, in recent years. Um, you know, I still like Dan Moore. I thought he got better late in the season last year, uh, more comfortable in Pat Meyer's scheme. But mm-hmm. Roderick Jones is a future. This is the guy that this front office and this coaching staff targeted. Um, you know, they all believe he can be a legitimate franchise left tackle, a great player in this league. So uh, I know he only has 19 games under his belt, but he is a very good talent overall. So I, I cannot wait to watch those two battle it out. And the great thing is they they seem to have a great relationship so far. So, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. They're going to get better together. And I think that's only going to make the Steelers offensive line and, and depth overall better. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm excited about the Jones pick. Uh, happy with it overall. I, I do have the, the the last concern there. If he does not start, does he even become the swing guy? Because he doesn't have a ton of experience at right tackle. He did a little bit at Georgia, but primarily their left tackle there. Mm-hmm. And how much right tackle work will he get this summer? I assume he'll, he, I think he'll get some, but I think obviously they're going to give him a lot of reps at left tackle. Moore is going to be the guy that's going to get some work at right tackle to let Jones kind of settle into that position he's competing for. He needs that probably more than than Dan Moore does right now. So if Dan Moore is the week one starter, what is Broderick Jones? What is his role out of the gate? That's a great question. It, is there a world in which he's inactive? Yeah, early that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting at a little yeah. bit. Yeah, LaRaven Clark kind of that swing tackle. Um, I mean, that that could be a possibility. That would be a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, just hearing you speak about it and, and hypothetically – I think Moore projects better as a swing tackle. He has more experience at right tackle in college than Jones did. Obviously, he started 33 games at left tackle. He's a good run blocker. Uh, you know, it might be better for the Steelers to to just put Jones in the starting lineup, and then you have more as that swing tackle. But but that's yeah. not going to be their calculation if he's not right, right, left, right. If he's not the starter, then he doesn't win the job. Yeah, you're right. right. It, it's easier. Like. The the best case is that Jones becomes your left tackle, more your swing tackle, you know, clap your hands, you're done. I mean, that, that's right. going to be settled. If not, and obviously LaRaven Clark is, you know, God help us if this guy's playing, but he does have <laughs> yeah, that right. experience at both tackle spots. And I just wonder how much Jones will get work. Like if Jones is getting no work at right tackle, then you can't make that guy your swing guy unless sure. unless what you would do is if let's say a core four goes down then Moore would shift to right tackle and Jones would go to left tackle. That's a messy way to do things the team prefers not to do, but that would be a solution as opposed to making Jones inactive and playing LaRaven Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, God help us if LaRaven Clark is on the field and in the lineup. Um, But yeah, it's a great question about Jones. You know, if he's not getting any work at right tackle, you cannot ask that rookie to go, okay, you're the right. sixth offensive lineman. You know, you yep. you might have to play right tackle. You might have to play left tackle. Be prepared. You cannot do that. So there could be a world in which he is inactive uh, early on in the year as kind of he gets up to speed. Um, but let's hope it doesn't come to that. You know, in an ideal world, Jones hits the field quickly. You get to see what that first round pick looks like. And your depth is a lot better with Dan Moore as that swing tackle compared to a LaRaven Clark or an inexperienced Broderick Jones. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's going to be a fascinating position battle to watch and, and kind of see how Pat Meyer plugs everything in uh, entering week one. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I, I don't make those comments to to knock Broderick Jones. I'm just kind of giving he could run the whole gamut in terms of what his role could be. It could be, I think, theoretically from an active to 
your starting left tackle. So I think it's right. really open-ended for how this thing's going to go. And that's what partly makes it an exciting camp battle to watch. So one last question along the, uh, along the Pittsburgh Steelers O-line. You had written about Pat Myers' comments about the backup center position. It's mm-hmm. it's a mess there. There's really no clear front runner. We can talk about the names that are in the mix, but who do you think would be that leader if you had to pick a name right now? Right now, it's it's probably going to be Nate Herbig, and I, I say that with some caution because he only has 49 career snaps at center in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kendrick Green would be the logical one. 15 starts at center as a rookie. They were not good whatsoever um i think it's got to be her big as the front runner there but this group i really think this team needs to go outside and get a free agent i've mentioned a couple of names like matt skura uh former ravens guy pat elfline he can play guard and center i liked billy price as a cheap veteran option but then he just signed with the new orleans saints uh but there are there are some guys out there and i think that uh pittsburgh might see quickly in training camp that they've got an issue uh, at backup center, because if it's Herbig, then you're you're kind of light at guard, assuming Kevin Dotson is a a, a trade candidate at this point. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not a comforting position whatsoever. I mean, Pat Pat Meyer obviously mentioned you know four to five guys that he thinks could be that backup. He even included seventh rounder Spencer Anderson. Yeah, theoretically he could be. He has center experience. He's played all over the offensive line at Maryland, but. Uh, Mason Cole was a warrior last year, played through injury. I think he missed, what, 45 snaps or something like that in total. Yeah, and that mostly came in just a second after that Bengals game. Right. You cannot bank on him staying fully healthy this year and and fighting through an injury like he did last year. So you've got to have some depth there. I love what they've done in general in the trenches on offense, but they have neglected center uh, behind Cole, in my opinion, and uh, I'm hoping that they – kind of see that in training camp and make a move. But uh, yeah, if there's a clubhouse leader right now, I think it's her big and that's concerning because he has less than 50 career snaps mm-hmm. in position. Pat Meyer did mention that her big, I think was getting some center reps in OTAs. And so mm-hmm. there's some work there, it appears, but you're right. The NFL resume is light and he's primarily a guard. Yeah. Mason Cole. I don't think he was ever healthy at all last year. Like even in training camp, the dude was limping around. And so I don't think he was ever healthy the entire season. I don't know how he did it. I mean, he just, they, they put every just roll of tape they could have. And just that's what Mm -hmm. they put on his ankle last year was kind of ridiculous, but, but it worked and he played reasonably well overall. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a battle there. External options are possible. The names you mentioned make sense. I talked about Jimmy Morrissey, the Texans He's got a chance to get cut here. Um, that that's a name. If you if you made me choose an internal name, though, I'll I'll call my shot. I'll say Spencer Anderson makes it that seventh round rookie. Like that, that versatility. Um, you know, he's not had an abundance of snaps at center, but he's got a couple hundred, I think, under his belt in college. I'll say he'll be the guy. Yeah, I like that. I mean, obviously, I, I did the the draft profile on him after he was picked, and I, I thought he was better at, at center than he was at at tackle. Uh, that's for sure. I think he's a lot better inside. Uh, decent athlete overall. I know his RAS scorecard was was lit up green and elite and all that i didn't think that that showed uh, on tape overall but uh yeah they like him for a reason and uh he fully committed to center in the pre-draft process which i thought was very telling um so i i do like you calling your shot there i'm excited to see how he does uh, in the nfl it's very rare you find a college guy with that much experience at all five positions uh in the seventh round and they did um, really curious to see how he fully adapts to center, but yeah, outside of him and, and, and Herbig, 
I don't know how anyone can really feel comfortable with the options there. I mean, Ryan McCollum bounced around on the practice squad on and off all last year. Uh, you know, Kendrick Green, we have seen that at center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on who he who else he mentioned was the other name. I think um, it said James Daniels, but uh, yes, an but, yeah. And I don't know that you want to do that and create yeah. another hole at right guard to move right. him to center in case of injury. So uh, I'd really like to see this team go outside the organization and get a free agent uh, at this point, because there are still some some decent, you know, veteran names mm-hmm. there. And I, I love the Jimmy Morris piece that you did. That makes a ton of sense, um, you know, especially with the connection to Kenny Pickett. Yeah, for sure. So any other thoughts here, Josh, on this team? Going to kind of wrap things up here in a couple of moments. Um, anything else on your mind about the, the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, just very curious to see how this defense comes together with a lot of new faces and, and moving parts overall. Uh, I'm not as worried overall about the offense at this point. I mean, I, I don't think that they're, like we talked about earlier, I don't think they're going to be this high-flying attack that's going to outscore people. Um, but I think we know who they are, what they are, what they want to do. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that, but I think there are quite a few unknowns defensively that I am concerned about and really looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, how some of these pieces fit and, and progress entering the season. You're doing your annual ranking the Steelers starters, number yep. six through four it went up today. What's been the toughest group to rank so far, the toughest name where you're trying to figure out where the best place to slot them was? Honestly, it was, uh, it was Kenny Pickett, um, you know, coming into the year, I believe I had, um, last year, Mitch Trubisky, I think I had him at, I want to say I had him at number 17 and I think I had Pickett this year at 13, but I think Mm -hmm. Pickett is going to be higher on that list next summer. It was just so hard for me to slot him in. Uh, because, you know, I, I liked how he played in the second half of the year, but I couldn't put him above some of the names that are in the top 10 uh, entering this season because there still are some concerns with Pickett. But that was that was the hardest one for me. And I think the other hard one for me was Levi Wallace. I had him mm-hmm. relatively low in the rank behind Porter. I'm just curious about the thought process. They were given the Porter hasn't taken a snap. Yeah, that's that's always tough for me. You know, like last year, I'm looking at last year's list. I had George mm-hmm. Pickens at 20 and he was ahead of Dan Moore and Mason Cole. Uh, yeah. And that was before he even played a snap. I think obviously we all liked Pickens. Uh, I think Porter should have been a first rounder. I, I do like him. I think sure. obviously the hands are a concern with Wallace. I think it was more just. It was a crunch in the in the 24 uh, guys ranked this summer. You know, I think he's mm-hmm. a good player. He's he doesn't move the needle a ton. I know he had a career high in interceptions last year, but uh, I think he's just that steady vet that. You know, quietly goes about his job. I'm trying to compare him to a guy in the past and I'm I'm, I'm struggling to from the Steelers. Like defense. a kind of a B-Mac. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Vibe, yeah. You know, not a guy that's going to move the needle a ton, yeah. but he's number just, two. He, yeah, he's just steady. Uh, and I, I think Porter's kind of got a higher projection for me, at least as a rookie, uh, compared to Wallace. So those were okay. the two that I I really had a difficult time ranking. And I know mm-hmm. I got a lot of pushback on Wallace and a lot of pushback on Pickett. I think one of the comments with Pickett was, boy, if our quarterback's 13th in this list, we're in for a 6-11 and 11 season. And it's like, I, I had your starting quarterback at 17 <laughs> last year, and they went 9-8. and eight. So, right. so, I mean this team isn't built to win because of the quarterback like they mm-hmm. were with, with Roethlisberger. Um, so I had a tough time with that, man. Just looking back at last year's list, Chase Claypool at 10, 
Mm. Maybe that's Ooh. maybe that's where Ryan Pace saw it. Was like, oh, I got to get that guy. Yeah, that's um, where it was. Thank you, Josh, for yeah, facilitating so, that. Yeah, I mean, just really rough. Akello Witherspoon and Miles Jack at eleven and twelve last year. Not great. Mm. Not a great list from last year. Nope. So hopefully this year turns out a bit better. But yeah, Pickett and Wallace were the two ones that I really struggled to rank. Yeah, I can see on Porter over Wallace, just given the projection, the scheme fit there, and obviously I think you know. Porter, you know, a great pick overall, especially for where they got him. Over Roberts and Robinson, though. I mean, I like Allen Robinson, but I think that ceiling's going to be limited. And Landon Roberts, maybe I'm too low on the guy. I mean, I do think he'll do his job well as a two-down thumper. Um, I just don't know what ceiling there is above that. And, uh, you know, I just wonder. I, I think he's a one-and-done kind of guy, even though he signed a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I am personally, and I say this all the time, I'm slightly biased towards a Landon Roberts. I've really liked that guy since Houston. Uh, kind of always just follow him around the league. Uh, I, I do think he's going to be a little bit better uh, than people expect in Pittsburgh. I'm not asking him to be a three down linebacker. I, I think he can be an early version of a Vince Williams, be that physical presence, uh, kind of bring that fire to the defense. But uh, yeah, he's probably a one and done. And, uh, you know, it was a bit surprising when I first put this list together that <laughs> I had him above Wallace. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I really like that guy. I really like the way he plays and what he brings to a defense. Yeah. So your top three left are basically the top three every year. It feels like Watt, Minka and Hayward, correct? Correct. Yep. Any idea? You don't have to, don't, don't spoil anything, but do you know the order yet or, or yes. how difficult is that to decide who's going to be I, one, two, three? I have the order. Uh, and, uh, I will just say this. There is a major shakeup in the top three. Oh, there's okay. There, yeah. So, um, and it's through nobody's fault of their own. You know, I think just those three are, are very special and uh, yeah, uh, changing it up. Cause I think that there is a guy that's very clearly, um, you know, the best player on this defense moving forward. Um, and I think that says more about him than the guys that he has surpassed. All right. Well, I'm excited for that. Do you know when that's going to drop on the site? That will drop Saturday. Um, Saturday. So, yeah, I know that we've got a, a bit of a dead period here. So mm-hmm. looking to kind of spice some things up over the weekend. And uh, hopefully that hits on Saturday morning and uh, people can push back on the rankings in general. And uh, hopefully it creates a discussion on on who the new number one is. Ooh, uh, a new number the one. The new a number hint, one. A hint there. All right, Josh, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Probably be the only uh, this will be the, the second uh, two of two podcasts to come out this week. I don't know the exact schedule going forward. Dave will be back for the start of the new week. So we'll probably do a show either Monday or Tuesday. We may get into our kind of Tuesday, Thursday schedule for the next couple of weeks until uh, we go back to three in our training camp episodes in just over a month from now. But Josh, thank you so much. Appreciate you filling in. Absolutely, Alex. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right, I have written out our our outro here because I'm always the worst at these. So I'm <laughs> literally just going to read off the outro here and then we'll close out the show. Be sure to follow Josh on Twitter at by Josh Carney. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazor. Be sure to follow Dave on Twitter at Steelers Depot and follow the show at The Terrible Podcast. If you have a question, be sure to email the show, The Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.